I trust that y'all had uh, fun spring breaks. No, 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 you can cut that out. You can cut that out. Okay, that's good. Uh, mm, mm. I trust that y'all had good spring breaks. Did anybody have more fun than the team that went to the Atlanta Dream Center? I guess no one, no one said anything. So I guess, I guess the Atlanta Dream Center team had the most fun the entire spring break. Yes, so much fun. Man, I'm sign me up again. Amen. But we are, uh, yeah. For anyone who is new, my name is Jordan Goody. Uh, I get to, uh, I get the privilege of, you know, um, making stuff happen here. I guess uh, trying to lead this Chi Alpha is whatever that looks like. But, um, but yeah. We've been in the middle of a series, middle of the semester. Sorry for if you're new, you're like jumping in the middle of something that is, it's like imagine if you went in the in inception, but you didn't start at the beginning of inception. You started like towards the last quarter. And so you're like three, three, three dreams deep right now. That, that's where you are. So you just, you just got dropped into that. There's your introduction. We're in the middle of a series called Convictions, and we've been talking about things that are convictions to us because that we want to give to y'all to help you, not just in your time here at WVU, but also because we want to be lifelong followers of Jesus, and we want to be disciple makers years and years after we leave WVU. And so that's the goal of this series, to like look at these things that the Bible puts a pretty big emphasis on and to highlight them and to try to do, do the best we can in living these, living these things out in our lives. And so, you know, we've talked about a whole lot of different things, and we have been in the middle of talking about three key convictions that we have, real devotional life, real fellowship, and real responsibility. But we've gone deeper into real devotional life, and I think we have it behind me. We've been talking, we talked about reading a couple weeks ago, well, actually three weeks ago because we had spring break. And then two weeks ago, Heather Mackenzie did a great job. Where is Heather? There she is. Heather did a great job talking about worship. And now we're finishing up talking about what a devotional life looks like in looking at prayer. And this is, this is really cool because this is, this is a fun topic because it's something that everybody is like always, everybody knows about prayer. It's like, doesn't matter if you are a follower of Jesus or not, everybody knows, has an idea of what prayer is. And if you're a Christian, then, you know, you say, oh yeah, prayer is really important. But a lot of times what we have is, you know, what it was for me for so long where it's like somebody asked me, oh yeah, do you think prayer is important? Well, of course, yeah. Prayer is like a big deal. It's like one of the biggest deals in the Bible. Do you do it? Man, you know, I wish that I did it more. But, you know, I'm, I think I'm going to start doing it more after, after this, you know. And then, you know, I'd say that a week later and then a month later and then like six months later. And then it would just become something where it's like, yeah, you know, like I'm a Christian. And, you know, God loves me anyways. You know, he wishes that I prayed more, but he understands that I can't pray as much as I wish I should, you know, or, you know, whatever that looks like. But everybody knows that prayer is a big deal. But how to do it? valuing it letting it be a part of your your lifestyle daily ah that's a whole nother thing you know what i mean and so for me 
this is a very hard thing to talk about because there's so much to say. And so what I'm going to do is I'm just going just gonna to throw out everything that I have. Some of it will be a little clear. Some of it I'm going to explain a little, and then I'm going to move on. I hope it makes sense. If it doesn't make sense, then I'm sorry about that one point. But we'll have some fun with it, and I think by the end, yeah, I, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> but I'm going to pray, and we'll, we'll dive right in. Father God, speak to my friends uh, about, about prayer. This is a big deal to you. This is a big deal to your heart. And I pray, Lord God, that you would open up our hearts to be able to hear what prayer is, why it's a big deal to you, how you modeled it. And I pray that most of all, Lord God, we will come out of this and we would seek to pray in our lives daily. That's my prayer, Lord God. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So prayer, fun word. It comes from, uh, it comes from the Hebrew word uh, palal. It's really cool. So basically, prayer, that Hebrew word, the best definition you could have for it is to intervene, to intervene. And I have a definition of what intervene means because, you know, definitions are fun. It means to come between so as to prevent or alter a result of or course of events. To come between so as to prevent or alter a result or a course of events. Basically, it's to change the trajectory of something. Something's going one place, and so you pray or you intervene, and then it goes another place. This is such a cool and simple way. Like that word, palel, that Hebrew word is such a simple way of understanding what God does with prayer. To simply put it like this, there is a destiny that will go forward without God for each and every one of us if we don't pray. But if we pray, well, then God steps into our situation, and the destiny that was going to happen will be different now. It'll be a destiny based on his hand helping to move things around as best as possible. There is a certain destiny without prayer, and there is a certain destiny with prayer. Isn't it? It's kind of cool. When it comes to prayer, the Bible makes it clear that there's three different ways that prayer affects things. One, it affects our circumstances or just circumstances in general. Second, it affects the people around us. And third, it affects us. I, uh, I didn't think it would be fun to read full chapters of the Bible tonight. I enjoy this, but most human beings don't. And so I wasn't going to do, do that to y'all where we read 12 minutes worth of scripture as much as I would enjoy that. So I'm just going to summarize some things. And if you want to call me a heretic, then you could go and look at it yourself. And then if, you know, if I still got it wrong, then you could say I'm a heretic. But in Isaiah 37, and looking at this first thought of prayer changing our circumstances, one of the coolest people you could read about in the Bible, a man named Hezekiah. He was a king. And he was a king in the Bible who got it right. Not a lot of kings got it right. If you go back and read Kings and Chronicles, some crazy stuff goes on. But this dude made some really good decisions. And there was a time where he 
He's like, well, the angel's gone. Maybe I'm not dreaming. What if I just go back to the house where I know everybody is at? And he goes there, and it said that they were praying for him that very moment. He had been in prison for a week, and they had been praying for him. Pause and think about that. That means that they were over there. Peter is over here. They are not praying for stuff going on over there. They're praying for stuff going on over here, stuff where none, like, this doesn't include any of them. It just includes him. And God intervenes in his situation and changes it. You see, prayer affecting people's circumstances, prayer affecting the people around us. And he shows up at the house, and what happens? They were so surprised that the girl who answered the door was like, oh, it's a ghost. And she goes and like, well, she didn't say it was a ghost, but she was like, oh, it's, it's Peter. But I can't believe this. So she closes the door on him, doesn't even open the door. And then she goes back and tells, tells everyone, hey, I think Peter's outside, the guy we're praying for. And then they're like, no, that's not, that's not, no, that can't be Peter. It's probably an angel. And then they're like, and then she's like, no, it's really Peter. Now, did you catch that? They said it's probably an angel. I must be doing something wrong. <laughs> I must be doing something because if I was doing something right, then surely I would have angel buddies hanging out with me, and it would be normal for me to have, like, angel friends, like, hey, Jordan, what you going to do today? You going to come over? No, I mean, I'm going to hang out with angels today. Like, no, this is like, this is like, this was normal to them. I don't know what I'm doing wrong, but I need to figure it out. It's just, it's just so cool to me. I mean, just, just if you had a friend that was an angel, oh, man, I would, like, call everyone up. And be like, hey, yo, y'all know I know an angel? <laughs> yeah, you didn't know that. I mean, I would call up the people that don't even like me and be like, yeah, you don't like me, but I know an angel. <laughs> Look at that. Yeah, see? You're wrong. They open the door back up again, and it's Peter. Funny thing is, they were surprised that it was Peter. Isn't that crazy that they had been interceding for him, but they were surprised that it was him? They were shocked. How many times, just, just to pause this, how many times do we pray, we actually go to God and we're like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, okay, I'm going to go to you this time. And we actually pray, and then when the prayer is answered, we're not impressed, we're not expectant, in fact, not only that, how many times is a prayer answered and we just say, oh, no, that's just coincidence. That, that couldn't have really been God. That wasn't important enough to be God. That was just my circumstances working out for me. We pray to him, but so many times we don't even give him the credit in the end. And it's, it's in the Bible. This is the early church. They, too. They, too, did it. Anyways, it's super sweet. But the last thing that prayer affects is it affects us. Are there any boaters here? People who like to boat? Sean, of course, I knew your hair went up first. Oh, my gosh. I got so tired of hearing Sean says, hey, man, I went to the lake house, man. We did this. We did this. I don't, I don't care about that stupid lake house. <laughs> Dude, it always talk about that lake house. Oh, we got these speedboats, man. Do you have a speedboat, Jordan? Be quiet, Sean. <laughs> of the few things that I know about laking and hanging out on lakes, 
is when you have a boat, is, I'm uninformed, is, is you have a boat, what do you do? You get up to the shore or whatever, and when you get close, you kind of do that, that hook rope thing, like lasso, you throw it around whatever, and then what happens? You pull the land closer to you. Isn't that right? Except it's not. Because you pull yourself closer to the land. That's what prayer is. Prayer changes us most of all. Not everything that we care about is important. But if you don't pray, you won't know that. You won't see that clearly. Not everything that we want is needed. Prayer helps us to see what's needed. Not everything is critical. Prayer helps us to see what's critical. Not everything is going to help us to be like Christ. Prayer changes us to be that way. This is so comforting to me because there is, there is a crazy story. It, it doesn't seem that crazy, but when you really like break it down, it's like, oh, man, this is really happening. It is the night before Jesus dies on the cross. And he is overwhelmed. He's been hanging out with his friends. One has already left. And this one who has left is about to show back up with a, a, bunch, of, a bunch of soldiers. And they're going to take Jesus and arrest him. But right before this, he is praying in a garden. He takes three of his closest friends to go pray with him. They all fall asleep. And Jesus is overwhelmed. Overwhelmed. Terrified. Not wanting to go to the cross. So much so that he goes and prays this. And it says in Matthew 26, and going a little further, he fell, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as my will, not as I will, but as you will. This is the incarnate Son of God. This is God, this, this is, this is God incarnate. And he is here. In human flesh, and it says that his will didn't line up with the Father, and he told him that. This should be very comforting and very humbling to you. One, this means that hey, if not even everything Jesus wanted was what was best, maybe, maybe just maybe, everything that I want isn't what's best, no matter how good it feels. But it also means that there should be some real comfort in each one of our hearts because that means that that's not the worst thing that my thoughts don't always line up with the Father. My main responsibility is just to find out what his will is, and then when I find that out, then pursue that. We can't control everything we want, but we can control whether we pursue it or not. This should be really comforting to you. It's really comforting to me. It's really cool because what does it say? It said, not as my will, but thy will be done. He gave it up. And which brings me to a whole nother thought. 
hey, sometimes prayers aren't answered. That's something that a lot of people don't kind of struggle with. Like, ah, well, I prayed to God this one time, and he didn't answer this prayer. Or a lot of people say, and I've even been in a situation where for a long time you did pray, but then that one specific prayer that you thought you were supposed to have, because it didn't work out, uh, because the Lord didn't heal my parents' marriage, because my dad did this, or because my mom did this, because this guy did this to me, because this girl did this to me, because this person who I really loved, who I thought we were supposed to be together forever, that didn't work out, and God didn't answer that prayer, because I didn't make this grade in this class, because this thing didn't work out with my financial aid, whatever it is, because this job didn't work out, because of whatever it is. You know, you just... Look back and like, ah, Lord, how dare you not answer that prayer? But not everything that I want at this moment is necessarily what's best. And we can be comforted because Jesus did not want to go to the cross in that moment. But he died there in the garden. I say he died there in the garden because he didn't die on the cross. He really died. In, he died. Well, honestly, he he he. He lived a crucified life, but that's a whole nother thing. But he died there to his will in the garden. That's where the cross happened in that moment where he gave this to the Lord. And he said, your will be done in this moment. And this is just super comforting, so comforting. And it's like it just reminds me, man, the Lord really loves me. Because I am, I don't know about you, I am very happy that not all of my prayers are answered. If I had all my prayers answered, oh, man, things would be bad. I mean, I would. I was telling someone this earlier, and they were kind of disturbed. But I'm, this is like no exaggeration. If all of my prayers were answered, I would. I would honestly be married to my chemistry teacher from senior year. That, huh, that woman was bad, and it was just like, it was just like, oh man, like Lord, please. This is this is obviously what what I need in my life. I wasn't even a Christian, and I was praying. I was like, this is. I do whatever works, you know. But it. But nah. Thankfully, that prayer was not answered. Like, how awful would that be if that prayer was answered? And y'all know I'm right. Look, in the moment, there's some things that, like, really bother you and, like, ah, man, dang it, why couldn't that prayer be answered? But how many other things do you look back and you're like, oh, God, thank you. Thank you for not answering that prayer. <laughs> oh, man. Like, ooh, like, like, how many prayers we want answered, but then things become clear, and it's like, this is so good that this was not answered. But there is another side to this when it comes to prayer. And this is so cool to me. So cool. John. John, first first John, 5, 14, and 15. It should be up there. And thank you, Sean, for making these slides. Sean does a great job. He makes our slides. There's so much media stuff. Sean is a good, good man. Good man. It says, and this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request. We know that we have the request that we have asked of him. If we ask according to his will, why could he write something like that? Because he wrote, because he was there. When Jesus said these words that he put in John 15 of his gospel, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish. And this and it will be done for you. There is a confidence that you can have about things when you pray for them and you know this. This is for God's glory and this is for his kingdom and this is his will. 
And this is so cool because as I've been a Christian, you know, in the early parts of me, me walking with God, it was really hard for me to understand what God's will was. But there are things that become clearer and clearer as you persevere with him in this relationship with him where you see, hold on, this is his will for me. This is his will for my family. This is his will. And I can pray in confidence for this. Really cool story. Martin Luther, Reformation dude, 1540. Some people know who he is. Yeah, the history class. Yeah, you don't like history class. I liked history class, but not everybody likes for history class. Frederick Myconius was a good friend of his. He was a co-worker. He helped him out a lot. This dude was on his deathbed. He wrote a letter. He wrote a goodbye letter while he was still alive to Martin Luther saying, hey, dude, I'm, I'm actually dying right now. And so I just want to tell you that I love you. We had great work together. And Martin Luther's like, nah, nah, son, that ain't going to work. And he says this, I command thee in the name of God to live because I still have need of thee in the work of reforming the church. The Lord will not let me hear while I live that thou art dead, but will permit thee to survive me. For this I am praying. This is my will. And may my will be done because I seek only to glorify the name of God. What a, what a prayer letter prayer thing. How cool is that? You know what's cooler is the fact that this dude, when he got the letter, he could no longer speak. And someone basically had to read the letter to him because his situation had gotten so bad. But upon hearing the letter, he eventually regained his health. He eventually started working with Martin Luther again. And he outlived Martin Luther by two months. Isn't that crazy? The confidence that you can have when you know you are praying in God's will. The confidence. And the confidence that you can have when maybe in praying in God's will, it does not work exactly the way you thought it should. But then when you realize that it worked out even better. Some cool stuff. I think it's so cool how Jesus modeled his life of prayer. You know, he, he like got away and had times alone where he, people were asking for him everywhere. And he got alone to pray. He made time to pray. He prayed when his cousin died. John the Baptist, he got away to pray. It said when he was making really hard decisions in his life, he got away to pray. This is the son of God and he needed prayer. How much more do we need prayer? How much more? I agree, Blake. It's so cool to me because he modeled prayer in such a unique way that the disciples didn't ask him, hey, teach us how to preach or teach, him how to, teach us how to cast out demons or teach us how to teach this or teach that. Teach us how to write the Gospels. They asked, it said that they asked him one thing. That's the only thing that we know that he, they asked him to teach them. And that was they saw something about his prayer life where they came to him and said, hey, teach us how to pray. Something about your intimacy with God is clearly different, and we want that. How? I'm going to take about five minutes to go through the Lord's Prayer and explain as best I can how we should pray. Because this is the best example of prayer. You're not going to get anything better. I mean, it's from Jesus' own lips. And he says, the first thing you should do, and this is in Matthew 6, he said, the first thing you should do is pray, 
Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That is so cool. Our Father. Katie said it earlier. I don't know where Katie is. She's here somewhere. Our Father. Looking, oh, there you are. Looking at this relationship and realizing he is a father. And this is cool. I have yet to meet a person on this earth who has a perfect father. And so most people really struggle with this idea of father and God being called father. But he is not the father that you had. He is the ideal father. He is what every father strives to be, but sadly is unable to reach because he is the ideal father. We can come to him in confidence that he wants to give and he gladly desires to give to us. And not only do we come to him with this, but we first say, and this, is, this, this should really be the way that you all start all of your prayers when you approach God. You are great. That's what hallowed be, hallowed be your name means. You are great. You are awesome. You are holy. You are good. You are right. You are unlike my friends. You are unlike me. You are not sullied. You are not ruined. You're not adulterated. You're all wise. You're all knowing. Now, some people are like, ah, man, why you got like, does God need to bo- like boost his ego to hear this stuff? No, we need to hear this stuff because we forget it. Man, you walk through some rough things in this life and you forget how good he is. You start to think that, man, he's just like everyone else. Or what I mentioned earlier, he's just like my father. He's not like that. He is the ideal. And you have to remind yourself that. That's why, he t- that's why he puts it at the front so that we can remember that as we come to him. And that gives us even more confidence when we pray. Our Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. We talked about it last semester, and I had some fun with it. It was really cool. It was perspective changing even for me. There are different kingdoms out there and there's a very small kingdom there's a lot of really small kingdoms in this in this room they're called the kingdom of self (laughs) there's a kingdom for jordan and there's a kingdom for taylor and there's a kingdom for sean and there's a well actually there's a kingdom for taylor and 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 taylor like some of y'all got that joke but (laughs) there are a lot of kingdoms in this room And every day we have to choose, okay, is it going to be about my kingdom today or is it going to be about your kingdom? Am I going to put my my kingdom aside and be committed to your throne and your glory and your will? The next thing in the prayer is not asking for all this stuff for ourselves or even for our family. It's asking that his kingdom, his kingdom and his will, just as it is in heaven, would come down to earth and and just break through in our circumstances. That is something to be prayed over regarding politics, regarding your classes, regarding this guy Alpha, regarding everything. Lord, we desperately need your kingdom and your will to invade the way that things are around me. That's what needs to happen. And you pray that, and you say, like, Lord, uh, whatever it is you're thinking about, bring it to him and say, hey, as it is in heaven, 
make it here like that in regards to my family, in regards to my friends, in regards to me. We are all, so many of us are living for kingdoms that are not, a, are not what's best. So I pray over that, Lord. Then it says, give us our daily bread. And this is so cool because it's not at the beginning, it's in the middle. There's like two cool things about it. One is that, I'm going to say this later, but when you pray more for others, it affects how you pray for yourself. I've noticed that usually your prayers for yourself are better when you pray for others more. And I've also noticed that usually I've seen more things happen when I'm praying for others more than I'm praying for myself. I see more things happen for myself when I'm more interested in others. It's very interesting how that works in the economy of God. But it says, give us our daily bread. It doesn't say, Katie said it earlier. It was so good. She said, it's not give us our daily bread today and for the next week. It's give us our daily bread today. He only promises to take care of you today. Why does he do that? Because he's not, he's not looking out for next week? No, he's looking out for it way more than you ever were. But he knows that you can't handle looking out for it. You are overwhelmed. You are stressed. You are worried. You are weighed down. Lord, give me my daily bread. Give us our daily bread today. Just today. That's all I can take. But it's so cool because I don't think what he's saying is, all right, I'm going to give you, I'm going to ration it out. He's not saying that. He's like, I want to pour my full blessings on you today. Full blessings. Not partial blessing, full blessing. This is, this is some cool stuff. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. The mark of a forgiven life is that you are quick to forgive others. I've noticed that it's the more I'm a Christian, the harder it is to continue to forgive. And yet I've also noticed that the more important it is to forgive every day. If you don't forgive, it will, it will eat you up inside and ruin your life. So much so that you can't, the God that you once saw, you can't even see clearly anymore. It's frightening what an unforgiving life looks like. Lord, help us to forgive and help us to accept your forgiveness. And the last thing, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. A pastor friend of mine said this and is so encouraging to me. He said, so many times we think, of, we think of the devil, we think of Satan, and we think that he's coming after us. Or we think of like these things that are like, but the enemy is not just the devil. The enemy is not just Satan. The enemy is, is ourselves as well. Man, how many times is our enemy our own temptations, our own desires, the things that would make me stand on each and every one of y'all's backs in order to make sure that I rise to the top? Bless you. The enemy can be myself, but the enemy can also be some naysayers around you, some people who are determined to see you fail and to see you not glorify God, to see you settle in what he's called you to. And so the enemy is, what this pastor friend helped me to see is the enemy is not just the devil. He's all these things. We need to pray against it. And we need to say, Lord, protect me from these things. Lord, help me to model you to these things. Lord, bless those things that wish to destroy me. Bless them and help them. Guide them. 
speak to them. One cool thing about this, about how to pray, is Jesus models this, and all of these things help us to see how to pray better, but they're not for us to be able to, like, go and pray, like, oh, okay, well, I got to make sure I pray this long and this long and this long and this long. It's not legalism. It's just sometimes I pray more in one area, and sometimes, sometimes, I mean, I'll be honest, many times I don't even make it halfway through the list. I, I, I'm like, I'm like praising God for who he is. I'm enjoying that. And then I'm starting to pray to intercede for things going on or to intervene for things going on in my circumstances, not my circumstances, but the circumstances of my friends, the circumstances of my family, the circumstances, y'all circumstances. And so I'm praying for these things. And then I'm like, whoa, I only had only had 30 minutes. It's like 35. I gotta, I gotta go, but that's okay. That's Okay. This isn't legalism. This isn't, you know, it's not rigid like that. It's, it's natural. That's prayer. Sometimes you finish the list. Sometimes you don't. He loves you. As I come to an end, just going to throw out some tips. and going to tell a story, and then we'll be done. Some tips that I've noticed for me personally in praying, just doing this for a few years, one tip, you should pray out loud. Praying out loud makes a huge difference because a lot of times our minds wander and they start thinking about all the different things. Sometimes I'll like be praying and praying quietly and not praying out loud, and then I forgot that I was even praying. I'm all of a sudden thinking about this, and I'm texting this person to get this done and this done and that done. I'm like, man, I'm not even praying anymore. I'm more worried about getting stuff done for the day. Pray out loud. You won't forget that you're praying when you do that. And it's cool because it makes you go out of your way to really get in a quiet place. So cool. Another thing that's cool about, uh, another helpful thing for praying is not only to go and pray out loud, but also to pray for others. I said it earlier. When you start prayers talking about yourself, usually those prayers are not the best prayers. Usually it's, it's not a refreshing time. Usually you're still just as discouraged as you were when you came into the prayer. It is, it is a very cool thing when your prayer life moves to the place where most of your prayers don't actually have to do with you. Everything is better when you're in that place. Another thing, and this is a fun one. I love this. When you have, how many people try to pray, and then when you pray, you have, like, these thoughts that come in that are so unrelated to the prayer. And you're like, get out, get out, get out. And you start praying again, and they come right back. Cause like, get out, get out. Like, you cannot get these thoughts out. I, like, I will go ahead and confess right here. This man, Cullen Williams, he is the reason. Some of you all know how much I like soccer. And some of you all know I watch Man City. I'm super pumped up about Man City, English Premier League, yada, yada, yada. Not that important. But one day I was praying, and I was really discouraged about this because I kept like, I could not get this thought of this soccer game that I was going to watch in an hour out of my prayer time. And I'm like, man, I only have this much time, Lord, and I'm, I, I don't have anything else going on, and I'm trying to pray and talk with you. Why can I not focus on that? And then I was just like, you know what, Lord, if this idea or if this thought won't exit my prayer time, all right then I'll introduce my thoughts to my master. And I just started praying for that game. I started praying for the players. I started praying for everything going on with it. 
and it was so cool. Two minutes into the prayer, I forgot that I was praying for that, that soccer game and the players. And I remembered everything that I was really trying to pray for, and those thoughts quickly exited and did not come back. When you introduce your thoughts to your master, you get to intervene for those thoughts, and you usually notice that those thoughts go ahead and remove themselves from your, from your circumstances. That's just, a, that's just a cool little thought. As I come to a close, there was a, there's a really cool story. Um, some of you all know how much I like to read. A guy named F.W. Borm. Some people, man, I, I apologize to everyone who went on the Atlanta mission trip and suffered through the 46 bookstores that I took y'all to. It was really hard. It was only five, but man, it was, it was, your boy was getting way into it, and so I feel bad for them. But in enjoying these bookstores, you know, I was looking for an author, F.W. Borm, couldn't find him, but this dude, he's one of my favorites. He has a story where basically... Oh, a woman in his church called him over to her, her house saying, hey, my father, so-and-so, whom you know, can you please come and pray for him? He doesn't look good. Looks like he's dying. He comes over, starts praying. Well, he comes in, and he sees the situation is pretty bad immediately. But in walking up to the bed, he notices something next to the bed. He notices that there's a chair right next to the pillow as if someone was just sitting there who had just had a very serious conversation with this man who was dying. And Borm goes and he sits down next to him. And he's like, hey, who was just in here? And the man was surprised and was like, oh, what? What, who, what do you mean who was sitting here? He's like, well, your chair. Like, who was just sitting in this chair? It seems like y'all were having a, if they were sitting this close, then they, it had to be a pretty serious conversation. And he was like, oh, no, no, no. No, some years ago, I was really having trouble praying. And so in having trouble praying, I was like, Lord, you have to do something because every time I pray, my mind wanders. I'm thinking about this. I'm thinking about that. Or I'm just not that interested into it, in it. I'm trying to pray, but it's not, it's not good when I pray. In fact, it's kind of laborious and boring. And he was like, and so I went to a friend, and I was like, hey, what should I do about this? And his friend said, ah, Oh, you should, you should go and move a chair into the room. And you should either sit in another chair next to the chair or sit on the bed and just have the chair sit right in front of you. And you should pray to Jesus. But you should know that he is sitting right there in front of you because he is. Pull a chair up for him and just talk to him. And the man was like, ah, okay, I'll try that. He did it, and he said all of his problems with prayer went away pretty quickly. Borum left the house somewhat inspired. <laughs> He's at church the next week, and the woman walks up to him. She says, my father passed last night. And he's like, I'm sorry to hear that. And she started weeping. She said, I yeah, I, I thank you for coming over. It's really sad. One thing I don't understand is when he died, he had his hand sitting in that chair that sits next to his bed. Do you understand what that means? And F.W. Warren was like, I know exactly what it means. Just talk to him. That's what prayer is. When I drive, sometimes I clear the seat next to me 
when I'm in the car by myself and I talk to my friend who's in the car with me. Sometimes I'm washing dishes and I just start talking to my friend who's in the room with me. Any circumstance, I can talk to my friend and he hears me and he cares about what's going on in my life. And he is deeply interested in me taking my most intimate and precious thoughts to him. I just talk to him. A lot of you all have heard us talk, tell the story of Borden of Yale, amazing college student who transformed the campus of Yale University. His friend said, Borden of Yale had an amazing prayer life. And they were like, why? somebody asked him, why did, they, why did he have such an amazing prayer life? What made it so special? He said, when he talked, when he prayed, he talked to Jesus like he was sitting there in the room. You felt like Jesus was right there with you. Just talk to him. The band can go ahead and come back up or come up. <laughs> Just talk to him. Tell him about the most intimate details of your life. Tell him about the stresses and the worries that you have. Tell him about the things that you're excited about. Tell him about the things that you're not excited about. Tell him about this situation that you're worried about. Tell him everything. Just talk to him. The only way you'll get better at praying is by actually praying. And I'll pray. Father God, help us to believe you are who you said you were and to give you a chance and open up to you and tell you what is going on in our lives to remind ourselves of how important and how big of a deal you are. Help us, Lord God, to talk to you and have our thoughts realigned with you so that we can care about things that matter most and stop caring about the things that we need clarity and saying that, hey, maybe that doesn't matter at all. Help us, Lord God, to give you a chance and actually talk to you because I know that once we try, everything else will work out. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The altars are open. You can come down here and pray if you want. You can sit in your seat and pray. You can do whatever. But I do encourage each of you to pray. Pray tonight. Tell them about whatever. Just start talking to him and let this be the routine of your life.